This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching at this time, and we want to encourage you to continue to watch for the next little while as we discuss the topic, The Christian's Greatest Temptation. The Christian's Greatest Temptation. What is that? I hope that you'll stay tuned. And I, I, I want to mention today the free Bible correspondence course that we're offering. And may I emphasize to you that this course is free. And I want to encourage those of you that are watching now that have not ordered the course to do it today. You, you say, well, Brother Lambert, why do you offer this course? We offer this course because we want people to get to better acquainted with the Bible, to get to know the Bible. And when you get to know the Bible, you're getting to know the Word of God and God speaking to you through His Word. And you get to know what God wants you to do to please Him. And so it's free. I can't think of a reason anyone would not want to call for the Bible course because it is free. And, and so in order that you might know more about the course, in order that you might know how to receive the course, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. We'll be reading now from Hebrews, the 10th chapter, beginning in verse 32. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me and my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and not tarry, now the just shall live by faith. But anyone, anyone who draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. For we're not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. There's a story of a man who wanted to join a certain order. And... If you were to join this order, you would live mostly in isolation. He was told that 
He would only be allowed to say two words every ten years. But the man wanted to live the life that was uh, being lived in this particular order. So he agreed to the conditions. At the end of the first ten years, they called him into the office, said, well, you've been here ten years, you can now say two words. He said, food bad. And then he was not allowed to say anything for another ten years. When they brought him in at the end of the second ten years, been there a total of twenty years, they said, now you can say two more words. He said, bed hard. And then at the end of the thirty years, he could called in the office to say two more words. And they said, now what else would you like to say? He said, I quit. They said, good, because you haven't done anything but complain since you've been here. The Christian is confronted with a lot of temptations, all kinds of temptations. But in all probability, the greatest temptation facing the Christian is the temptation to quit. So sometimes the cost seems so great, you may be tempted to quit. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And sometimes that seems so great, a cost to pay, we might be tempted to quit. Sometimes the pressures may be so fierce that you're tempted to quit. That must have been a problem with Demas. It is said of Demas in 2 Timothy 4.10 that he, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Sometimes the demands become so rigorous, we may be tempted to quit. In John 6.66, the scripture says, From that time many of his disciples turned back and walked no more with him. Earlier in that chapter, Jesus had began teaching the people, and they said to Jesus, This is a hard saying, who can hear it? And now we have some turning back. Sometimes the discouragements are so numerous that we may be tempted to quit. In Luke 9, 62, Jesus said, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes the burdens may seem so heavy that we're tempted to quit. In Galatians 6 and 9, Paul wrote, Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Sometimes the fight means, may be so heated that you're tempted to quit. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3, Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Sometimes this race may seem so long that you're tempted to quit. In Galatians 5 and verse 7, the Bible says, You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? The people who first received the message uh, from Hebrews chapter 10 were faced with a temptation. They were tempted to quit. They had come out from under the yoke of bondage, from under Judaism, and now they were Christians. Christianity is a relatively simple religion without pomp, without ritual, without ceremony. And they compared that with all the pomp and the ritual and the tradition of that which they had formerly held, and they were tempted to go back. And they may have been asking themselves, was it worth it? 
They had turned from the religion of their fathers. They had turned from their friends, from family, and they may have been tempted to quit. The text that I have read from Hebrews chapter 10, given by the Holy Spirit, tells us how to overcome this temptation. And there are five things that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 10 that if we will just remember, will motivate us to keep going on. We will never yield to the temptation to quit. Now the first thing that I note from Hebrews chapter 10 is found in verse number 33, uh, 32. And, and in verse 32, he tells the people that they need to remember the joy of their conversion. Notice, recall the former days in which after you were illuminated. Remember the former days after the which you were illuminated. Justin Martyr said that in his time that the word illuminated was synonymous with baptism. Well, if that be the case, that he's saying, remember that after you were baptized, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Whatever the case may be, one of the ways we can overcome the temptation to quit is to remember the joy of your conversion. But first of all, you have to remember what you were before you were converted to Christ. In Ephesians 2, verse 1, the Bible says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. There was a time that you were dead in sin. And verse 12 says, And that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and being without God in the world. So you need to remember what you were, dead in sin, without Christ, without God, without hope. But then remember what you became. You know, it is so, oh, so easy to forget. Second uh, Peter 1 and 9 says, He that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten, forgotten that he was purged from his old sin. It's easy to forget. Well, so what did we become when we were converted to Christ? We became new creatures. New creatures in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. We also became children of God. Galatians 3, verse 26, verse 27. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ did put on Christ. But you also became a Christian. Acts eleven twenty six says the disciples were called Christians. And that was first at Antioch. But also you became saved. Mark 16 and verse 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You need to remember what you became when you, be, when you obeyed the gospel. We need to remember the joy that we have of being in the Lord. And that's where real joy is found. 
Some people think that joy is found in other places. Some try to find joy in the use of drugs or alcohol or a life of promiscuity, uh, all, all sorts of things. But joy, real joy, is found in the Lord. In Philippians 4 and 4, the Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. So rejoices, rejoicing is found in the Lord. And you need to remember the joy that was yours when you can were converted to Christ. Remember that after you were illuminated. Remember the former days in the which after you were illuminated. After you were saved. In Acts chapter 8, Philip the Evangelist was called to the chariot side of the man from Ethiopia, preached to him Jesus, and as they went on their way, the record says, they came to a certain water, and the uh, eunuch said, See, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest, with all thine heart thou mayest. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip of the way that, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he, that is, the man who had just been baptized, went on his way rejoicing. Now let me ask you, why was he going on his way rejoicing? He was going on his way rejoicing because now he was a new creature. Now he was a child of God. Now he was a Christian. Now he was saved. He had every reason to rejoice. You know, in Psalms 51 and 12, the psalmist said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Joy and salvation always go together. There is joy when there is salvation. And when we obeyed the gospel, there was joy that filled our hearts, knowing that the burden of our sins had been rolled away. And knowing that we have a Savior, and knowing that we have the hope of eternal life. And so there's the joy of your conversion. The next time you're tempted to quit, the next time you're tempted to throw in the towel, I want you just to stop and think about the joy of your conversion to the Lord Jesus Christ. But secondly, we need to remember the promise of heaven. Notice verse 34 in, in Hebrews chapter 10. For you had compassion on me and my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Now here's what you need to remember. You need to remember better days are coming. The best is yet to come. He said we have in heaven and enduring, and a better substance. There isn't anything on this old earth that's going to endure. The world passes away and the lust thereof, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. And the only thing that will endure is that which is of a, an eternal nature. We need to remember that better days are coming for us. You may be going through a difficult time right now, as a Christian. But I want to, you to know that the best is yet to come. We have in heaven, uh, in heaven a better and an enduring substance. And rem remember the reward that is ahead of you. Notice verse 35 again. 
Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. There's a great reward ahead of you. Paul realized that he had a great reward ahead of him. And he said, I'm ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that love is appearing. You see, there was a reward ahead for Paul. And then you remember the promise that Jesus has made. He said you, you might receive the promise. That's in verse 36. You might receive the promise. In Titus 1 and 2, there the apostle wrote, in hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. In hope of eternal life, which God promised. God cannot lie, and God made the promise that we would have the hope of eternal life. You see, we need to re remember the promise that has been made. Listen to him again from Hebrews. You might receive the promise. My friend, heaven is real. It's as real as anything. It's as real as the Bible that I hold in my hand. It's as real as, the, as this desk by which, by, behind which I sit. Heaven is real. And I want to go there. I want to go there because my heavenly Father's there. Matthew 6 and 9, Jesus said, Pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I want to go because the redeemed of the ages are there. I want to go because I've been invited to come. And so have you. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So if you're ever tempted to quit, if you're ever tempted to turn your back upon the Lord, remember the promise of heaven. But yet a third thing to remember is the promise that Jesus Christ is going to come back someday. Look at verse 37. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not Harry, yet a little while. It's just a little while compared to eternity. Won't be very long. He said, yet a little while. And he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now some have the view of that passage that he's talking about the coming of Christ in judgment on the city of Jerusalem, which occurred in A.D. 70, when Titus invaded the city with his army, destroying people. It was just unparalleled destruction in the city. And so some think that he's talking about the coming of Christ in judgment. And that might well be. But if that's the primary uh, meaning of the passage, there's a secondary meaning. And that is that Jesus Christ is coming back someday. He's coming again. Hebrews 9, verse 28. He'll appear the second time, according to that passage, without sin unto salvation. In fact, the Lord is coming again. 
and he who is coming will come and he will not tarry. I don't have any idea when Jesus come, is going to come back. The only thing I know, he's coming. In Acts chapter 1 and 11, the Bible says, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven, the same Jesus whom you have seen and taken up into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. So I know he's coming because the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to write that passage. And we have the assurance that he's coming back someday. And unto them that look for him, will he appear one day? Titus chapter 11, or chapter 2, verse 11 through verse 14. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 42, Jesus said, Watch ye therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. And then in the 25th chapter, verse 13, he, he said, Watch ye therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. We have no idea when Jesus Christ is going to come. Now, there have been those that have made predictions about the second coming of Christ. As a matter of fact, it hasn't been but just a few days ago that I heard of some man who has predicted the, the coming of Christ and has set a date for it. He had set another date, and he decided that wasn't the date, so he set another date. It seems to me that he doesn't know and had he only taken the time to have studied the Bible, he could have saved himself a great deal of embarrassment. Because in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36, Jesus said of that day and hour, knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And there isn't a man living today that has an inkling of when Jesus Christ will come. If you'll read Mark chapter 13 and verse 32, you'll learn that the Son does not know when He's coming back. That information is God's and God's alone. But He will come back. For the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat in the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So we don't know when he's coming, but we do know that he is coming. And the reason we know is because Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. So he's coming back someday. And so when you're tempted to quit, just think about the fact that one day Jesus Christ is going to come back someday. He's coming back. To, and, and, and we need to be prepared. We need to be ready when Jesus comes. But then we also need to remember what a disappointment we would be if we turned away from the Lord. Notice verse 38. If anyone draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Don't be a drawback. I heard about a mother whose son played football. She knew nothing about football. So someone says, what position does your son play? She said, I'm not really sure, but I think it might be drawback. I've known lots of people who played drawback in life. And if we draw back 
from the Lord, we're going to be a terrible disappointment to him. He said, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. We're going to be a disappointment to the Lord. We're going to be a disappointment to ourselves. In, in verse 39, he says, we're not of those who draw back to perdition. You see, when a person draws away from the Lord, that's what they have to look forward to, and that is perdition. They'll lose their souls. And so we'd be a disappointment to ourselves. We'd be a disappointment to the Lord. And what a disappointment we would be to other people. But then a final thing to remember that will help us to, to never draw back is to remember this. You can remain faithful to the Lord. In verse 39, he said, We're them that believe to the saving of the soul. And that means we just keep on believing. We just keep on keeping on. You can remain faithful. It's not impossible. If, if you were asked to name the best thing you could ever say about a person as a Christian, what would it be? You'd say, well, they attend all the services of the church. Well, that's good, and they should, but is that the best thing? You say, well, they read the Bible, and they pray, and they give as they've been blessed. They give money to the Lord, help support the work of the church. Well, all those things are good. But the best thing you can say about a Christian is that they're faithful, and it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But remain faithful. You can remain faithful to the Lord. Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian today? I'd encourage you to become one by believing on Jesus and repenting of your sins. Now, not because I ask you to, but because that's what the Bible teaches in John 8, 24 and Luke 13, 3. I would encourage you to confess your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's what the Bible teaches one should do. Acts chapter 8, verse 35 to 40, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And I'd encourage you to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. Acts 2, 38, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Would you do that? And you can remain faithful to the Lord unto the end of your life and you will have the promise fulfilled one day that's begin to, given to those who remain faithful to the Lord, and you'll hear the Lord say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Yes, there are temptations that come our way, but likely the greatest temptation once you're baptized is eventually just to quit. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.